Song of Solomon, the last verse of chapter 4 and the first verse of chapter 5 will be our text this evening. The Song of Solomon, Solomon wrote 3,000 poems about all kinds of different things. He wrote about little creeping things, he wrote about nature, and... Um, He wrote about the beautiful relationship between Christ and his church. And there's a practical, of course, side to the Song of Solomon and uh, some beautiful poetic advice to husbands and wives. But also, I think, a beautiful picture of Christ and his, his bride, his church. Stand with me, if you would, please, and read with me the last verse of chapter 4 and the first verse of chapter 5 in the Song of Solomon. Together on the last verse of verse 4 and then the first of verse 5. Together, please. Awake, O north wind, and come down south. Blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. I am come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink, yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. I take our text this, this evening from the first phrase of verse 5. I am come into my garden. I want you to get a pen out tonight and underline a few things as we go through here in just a moment. I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, the garden of my heart. The garden of my heart. Not a bombastic message tonight, and I don't think it'll be a long message, but I think it'll be a sweet message. And uh, I should have said that. Now you're all dreading, you're all dreading (laughs) the length of the sermon. Uh, By my best estimation, uh, we speak tonight on the garden of my heart. Heavenly Father, please, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, sweeten our thoughts toward thee tonight. Help us to understand our purpose. We were made to fellowship with thee. God forbid that we should allow anything in our life that would hinder our fellowship with our beloved Savior. Help us to see it in a, in a maybe a different shade tonight, a different way. And wonder and marvel at it and long to walk with thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. My wife and I like to walk together. Uh, we, we Most time on Fridays, most every Friday. And it's changed a little bit during the over the years. Sometimes, once more a time, Monday was our date day, so to speak, and um, Friday now. And most, most, most every Friday around noon, uh, I'll finish up uh, work-related things. And we'll spend the afternoon and much of the evening together. And uh, and we'll go eat, of course, and usually shop a little bit. And uh, But we also like to walk together. And there's a, a lovely uh, garden. We've watched it grow up over the years. It's really beautiful. Some of you are probably familiar with it. And I don't know the name of it. It's off of Holden Road in Greensboro. And uh, just some of the most beautiful landscape and uh, flowers and flowering trees. And they've built... Uh, um, they built a um, water. Um, 
What's the building? Water, wheel, meal. Those big words get me like that. Uh, that, that that's actually a different area. I think you just mentioned. Um, I wish I could. I wish I knew the name of it. But anyway, uh, but it's a beautiful place, and we enjoy walking together and um, there. And um, and by the way, don't you come down there and look for us either and bother us. All right, I won't speak to you if I happen to see you there. But anyway. Um, but we enjoy that. There's just something about a beautiful setting. There's something about um, the loveliness of God's creation and so forth. And uh, it's a great place. It's a great place to fellowship. As I mentioned a moment ago, the book of Song of Solomon has some great practical advice for married folks. It's uh, very frank, I think, when you uh, interpret it in that context. But also the, the holy beautiness, the the beautiful holiness that's described, um, I think, in a picture of the relationship of Christ to his people. These are, these are phrases with which you'll be familiar if you have your pen ready. We look in chapter number 2, and we read these words, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. I have found a friend in Jesus He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley. In him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. That came from the Song of Solomon. How about that, huh? That's from the scriptures, of course. And he's called here the the Rose of Sharon. If you uh, turn over to chapter 5 here in the Song of Solomon. And... uh, Verse number 10, we read that little phrase that we hear in that song. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. The chiefest among 10,000. Charles Weigel wrote a beautiful, beautiful hymn. I have found a hiding place when sore distressed. Jesus, rock of ages, strong and true. In a weary land. I in his shadow rest. He is my strength in all that I do. Jesus, rock of ages, let me hide in thee. Jesus, rose of Sharon, sweet thou art to me. Is this familiar to you? Lily of the valley, bright and morning star, fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Some beautiful descriptions of our loving Savior here in this text. In chapter number 2, verse number 14. O my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places. The only other place that term is used in the Bible, uh, the other significant places used in the Bible is spelled with an I, the clift of the rock where Moses was hidden up there on the mountain. You remember he said, God, show me, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. He's up in the mountain and, and uh, he said, you, you can't see me in my glory. You, no man's seen me and lived. He said, I beg you, please, reveal yourself to me. Show me thy glory. And he said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put you in the cliff of this rock right here. And I'll cover my hand over the rock there. And I'll walk backwards. 
and you can see my hinder parts. My hand will cover it over, and you'll be behind the rock there, and I'll put my hand there, and I'll walk backwards, and that's as close as you can get to seeing me in my glory. And when that happened, Moses, the Bible said, came down from the mount, and they said they couldn't look in his face because his face shone. He had to wear a veil. It's like staring at a light bulb. You couldn't look at Moses. That's how close he had come to God. There in the clefts of the rock. Fanny Crosby in 1890 wrote, A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. It's a great hymn. Down in verse number 16, we read the words, you'll want to mark, my beloved is mine, and I am his. We find familiar words also over in, um, in uh, 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 up in chapter 2, verse 4. Right above that, he brought to me, me to the banner, to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. The songwriter said, Jesus is the rock of my salvation, his banner over me is love. Jesus is the rock of my salvation, his banner over me is love. Jesus is the rock of my salvation, his banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. He invites me to his banqueting table, his banner over me is love. Another verse says, I'm my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I'm just going to sing to you all night. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be a long message now because I'm going to sing. No, do you notice I'm not singing the whole song? Can somebody say amen? And, uh, but these are references to Christ, the loveliness of Christ. And his love for his church. In chapter 4 and verse number 7. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. Amen. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy without blemish. This is a picture of Christ's love for the church. In 2 Corinthians eleven two, we read the words, I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. In chapter number 4 and verse number 15, he says, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters. You may want to mark that phrase, a well of living waters. In John chapter 4, in verse number 10, Jesus said to the woman there at the well, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith that they give me to drink, thou wouldst ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. Later in John seven thirty-eight, he said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water water. Over in chapter 5, verse 10, I think we mentioned already the chiefest among 10,000s he's called. Verse 16, I think one of the loveliest descriptions of our Savior in verse 16 of chapter 5. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, here it is. He is altogether lovely. 
Do you know the closer you get to any human being, the more you see their warts and their inconsistencies and their idiosyncrasies? And the more reason you have, if you want to now, to be disappointed. But do you know the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the lovelier he gets. The closer you get to him, they find no flaws. He's altogether lovely. Again, we read the phrase for the second time in chapter 6 and verse 3. I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. My beloved is mine. We read it again in chapter 7 and verse 10. I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. We read the, we sing the words. One of our favorites around. He, sing it with me. He is mine. He is mine. I am blessed beyond all measure. He is mine. I have pardon full and free. Through the blood he shed for me, saved forever I shall be, he is mine. One you're probably not familiar with is an old hymn. I discovered it about two or three years ago, maybe about five years ago, I guess now, and I fell in love with it. It's one of my favorite hymns. It's not in our hymn book. It's not in any of our hymn books. I'll sing it for you. This is not the closing song, sorry. (laughs) The title of it is written by a man, uh, George Robinson, in the 1800s. Loved with everlasting love, led by grace this love to know. Anybody know it? Gracious Spirit from above, thou hast taught me it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine in a love which cannot cease I am his and he is mine in a love which cannot cease I am his and he is mine these are beautiful words heaven above is softer blue earth around is sweeter green Something lives in every hue. Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs o'erflow. Flowers with deeper beauty shine. Since I know as now I know. I am his and he is mine. You sing that verse while you're walking in the woods. Looking at the beauty of God's creation. It'll be even more beautiful. And this is a tender, tender, tender verse reminiscent of John the Beloved leaning upon the rest of the Savior. Things that once were wild alarms cannot now disturb my rest. Closed in everlasting arms, pillowed on the loving breast. Oh, to lie forever here, doubt and care and self-resign while he whispers in my ear I am his and he is mine that's pretty isn't it that a wonderful thought his forever only his who the Lord and me shall part all with what a rest of bliss 
Christ can fill the loving heart. Heaven and earth may fade and flee. Firstborn light in gloom decline. But while God and I shall be, I am his and he is mine. But while God and I shall be, I am his and he is mine. Hallelujah. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. The Song of Solomon is filled with this imagery of Christ's love for his church. And he likens us at the end of four and the beginning of chapter five to a garden. And he says in verse one, I am come into my garden. In Genesis chapter three and verse eight, the Bible says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Paul wrote in the New Testament that he hath given us the spirit of his son in our hearts. Let me make a statement. Number one, the heart of the believer is Christ's garden. The heart of the believer is Christ's garden. He bought it with his precious blood. It is his. I am his. (laughs) And he is mine. I'm his because he made me. But I'm his because he bought me with his precious blood. And when he bought me, and by faith I yielded to his uh, uh, grace and trusted his salvation, his spirit, the spirit of his son, came to live In my heart. He enters this heart of mine. And claims it as his own. And he comes. To his garden. A garden. Is a place of beauty. In the imagery of this beautiful song. We find. The Lord of the garden as he comes to his garden. He comes because it's a place of beauty. May I say, dear friend, that Christ's garden ought to produce the most beautiful flowers in all the world. The heart of the believer ought to be a welcome place for his master. He should come and see a well-kept a wonderfully watered and fertilized, productive garden and see their place of beauty. Can I say this? I've been saved uh, just about my whole life. Got saved as a little kid. I've been in church my whole life. My mama took me to church every Sunday, morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for nine months when I couldn't choose for myself to go. (laughs) And uh, you know what? I've been around church a long time. And uh, um, I heard a disappointing story last week of one of God's servants. I've been disappointed along the way. You ever been disappointed along the way with one of God's people? You ever been disappointed? All right. Okay. But can I tell you something? God's people are still the best people in the whole wide world. 
You get any group of people together, and they'll peep their people, you'll find faults. Now, you get a bunch of plumbers together, you get a bunch of electricians together, you get a bunch of police officers together, you get a bunch of politicians together. No, mind, we don't want to go there, do we? Uh, any group of you want to get together, any bunch of school teachers together, get any group of you want to get together. And I'm just telling you, the best people in all the world are God's people. Amen? They're not without fault. They're not without uh, 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 sin. Uh, but there's still a great group to be around. Amen? A great group to be around. I think God's people are the best. Can I tell you something? When Christ comes to fellowship with us, just as in Genesis, he came and they heard the voice of the Lord of God walking in the cool of the day. He ought to find a beautiful place. And you know what? We as God's people ought to beautify this world. We are called to be salt and light in this world. Amen. I went to a place of business. I won't tell you what it was because I don't want to affect uh, the person at all. But I went to a place of, a, a, a place of business. Uh, oh, I, six weeks ago, four, four, five, six weeks ago. And I'd never been, and I went in there, they'd never had the rock music playing, but they had the rock music playing. And I went and sat down for a moment or two, and I thought, I, I'm not staying, no. And I got up and left. I left. And uh, I, was, I, was, I was irritated. I was frustrated. I said, that's ridiculous. I don't I want to sit here and tolerate that. And I got thinking, as the, 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 the owner there, the business is a good, is a good man. I think he's a Christian. I've talked to him about his soul before. So I said, you know what? I think I'll go back. And I went back, and the music was playing. And I waited. And when the opportunity was right, I said, would you do me a favor? He said, what's that? I said, when I come in here, would you turn the music off? He said, oh, of course. Yeah, I'm sorry. He said, man, I'm sorry. I don't pay attention sometimes. I would things come out of that box. I should. And he turned it right off. And I had a chance to tell him, talk to him a little bit. And I just got thinking, why should I, I, I enjoy that place of business? Why should I have to leave the place of business? And I'm going to go see if I can salt the place up a little bit. Amen. So I just shook a little truth out. <laughs> and, uh, and he was, now I don't know, he'll probably turn it on while I'm not there. I don't know. But the Bible said we're supposed to be salt and light. Amen. Your neighborhood ought to be a better place because you're there. Amen. A garden is a place of beauty. I'll tell you something else about a garden. A garden is a place of growth. If nothing's going in the garden, it, it, it's really not really a great place to be, is it? And I, I, I enjoy I enjoy seeing things grow. You know, sometimes uh, I, I like to, uh, for several years, enjoy having a garden. And... Uh, you know, you work and you get your hands dirty and you plant and so forth. You try to get the soil just right and all that. And, and, and it starts coming up. Just something exciting. I mean, the first time those beans start popping up out of the ground, that's just something exciting to me. And I see it coming up and I marvel at it. And then it, it, it dawns on me. You know what? We, we look at this and say, look at my garden. Look at this. What came out of my garden? Like we did anything. <laughs> what we did is we moved the dirt around that God made, and uh, and then we took a seed that God made, we stuck it in the ground, and uh, had a prayer or two over it, and put some water on it, perhaps. And out comes this incredible uh, 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 big boy tomatoes, amen, uh, thick sliced, amen, on a toasted bread, amen, with about a quarter inch of butter and salt and almost black with pepper, amen. And that tomato sandwich, look what we made. 
God did it all, didn't he? He did it all. But a, a garden ought to be a, a place of growth. Ask your question. The garden of your heart. Is it a place of growth? Are you growing? Can I tell you something? If you're not growing, you're dying. If your garden is not growing, it's dying. And there's no middle ground. No Christian is static in his Christian life. No Christian is at one place and stays in that one place. You're either drawing closer to the master or you're drifting farther away from him. Which way are you going tonight? The garden of my heart ought to be for Christ a place of beauty. It ought to be a place of growth. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I say this, a well-kept garden is a place of separation. When we when we moved into the home we're in, been it's about seven years now, I think coming up on eight years, and uh, after a year or so, we, we talked about having a garden, and so I got the post hole diggers, and uh, we marked off the place, and I got the posts and dug the holes and uh, put some quick creed around them, and then we got a fence and put a fence around it, and uh, and uh, without a fence, a garden wouldn't last very long where we live. And some of you have the same problems, and have some you grow some beautiful, beautiful vegetables, and 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 uh, the, the 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 rabbits and the deer are so grateful for your efforts. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. But a well kept garden has to be a place of separation. It has to be a restricted place. It must be protected, or it won't be much of a garden. A garden without a wall is just a free for all wilderness, basically. You're going to have a hard time growing anything. I, uh, it was a, it was a first real, really beautiful stand of corn that I ever had. It's about, it's about four years ago, I think. And, I mean, it was beautiful. I'm talking about six, six, seven feet tall. And just literally just, just days, maybe a week or so away from harvest. And man, I could just, I could taste the fresh corn. And um, it was a Sunday night. And it's unusual. I, I'm, I'm almost never the first one home after, I don't know what it was. I think, I think the girls went out to get a beer or something. I can't remember what they were doing. But for whatever reason, I don't know what they were doing. I was the first one home. And that, that literally, I, that might happen once a year. Anyway. But I was the first one home. And I had been so excited about that. I was so proud of the corn and the beautiful stand of corn. I was so, so excited about having fresh corn. It was a pretty good-sized patch. It was every bit is about twice what this aisle is right here and, and about the length of this uh, from where I'm standing to the back door. It's a pretty good corn patch. And uh, had it uh, fenced up real good, you know. And we had a good day that Sunday. I was I was filled with the Spirit. I was coming home on cloud nine. God is good. What a good day at church we had. And I got home. And I'm trying to remember his name. Bo. Bodacious. Bo. Is that right? Bo. Bo was about a 800-pound... Longhorn bull was in the corn. And he had destroyed the entire 
the entire harvest. And I pulled in the driveway, and I, who was in the spirit, became in the flesh. I, I got out, and he he uh, he used to make my wife nervous. So he put his head down and shake his head at me, and he'd come at me, and I'd come back at him. And uh, anyway, and uh, but I I was so I was so I couldn't I was so angry. I got out. And, and, I jumped out of the car, left it running in the driveway, and ran out there in the middle of that corn patch and started stomping my feet at the bull and yelling at him. And he took off running. I was stomping after him. Just as, I mean, it was just me and the Lord was there uh, and the bull. And I mean, what he didn't need, he just destroyed. He's just a maverick, just walked over the whole thing. And I am so mad stomping around. And then it dawned on me that that bull had been in that patch of corn however long. And I looked down at my feet and they were covered in the leftovers of the corn on my pant leg, in my cuff of my soup pants. That was... uh, one of those times like throwing the coffee out the window where God got my attention. I said, God, he destroyed my corn. And God says, my corn, I made it. Oh, yeah. Can I tell you something? A heart that is not protected will be destroyed by the influences of this world. The church, the bride of Christ, does not need, the individual does not need to weaken the fence of separation between our hearts and the world, between the church and the world. The beauty of a garden, the solace of a garden, the productivity of a garden, the fruitfulness of the garden is dependent Upon a wall of separation between it and the destructive forces without. People say, well, there's no harm in this or there's no harm in that. Other folks are doing it, don't you know? And they're good people and they love God. And, you know, we just don't do that anymore. May I ask you a question, dear friend? If you are engaged to be married and there's a wedding date coming, are you asking yourself, I wonder how far I can go with my old flame before I make my fiancé uncomfortable? Is that what you're asking yourself? I wonder how palsy-wowsy I can be with the gals at work Before I make my fiancé uncomfortable. Or are you looking for ways. To show her your love. And your commitment. And that your heart. Is hers and hers alone. Too many of God's people. Are asking how far can I go. In conforming to the world. And still be considered. A faithful bride. I got news for you. We're asking the wrong question. We're going the wrong direction. 
We don't need to weaken the fence between us and the world. We need to strengthen it. That's what we do. We need to do. If that garden is going to be productive, it's just, it's going to be a place of beauty. If it's going to be a solace of, uh, of sweet fellowship, then we're going to have to keep the Japanese beetles out of the world and the June bugs out and the squash bugs out and the slugs out and the deer out and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the bulls out. <laughs> the garden must be a place of separation. We don't need to invite the world into the garden. We need to keep the, guard, the world out of the garden. Amen. My heart is a garden that belongs to Christ. And it ought to be a welcome place of fellowship for Him. A place of beauty place of growth, a place of separation, a sweet getaway for my Savior. Take your hymn books. Pianists, would you come please? 271. A garden is a place of retreat. You have places perhaps that you like to go with your family and have a little getaway and reconnect with those you love. Our hearts ought to be such a place for our Savior. I read to you again our text. Awake, O north wind, and come down south. Blow upon my garden that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. I am come into my garden. May I ask you the question tonight? What's the condition of your garden? Is it a place where Christ enjoys coming? A sweet place to fellowship? Is it producing? Is it growing? Is it a place of beauty? Is it well fenced in? Our hearts are his garden and he comes to fellowship with us there stand with me and sing this song I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the sun of speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart 
ever 